Blog Talk Radio. Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. We're going to be revisiting with our two ladies we had on this last Friday. If you didn't hear that show, you need to go listen to it. There is a lot of valuable information in there about your rights, about the courts, and it's. I I went back and listened to it twice because I couldn't believe all the information that came out in there. Um, things you need to protect you um, because we are under attack. I, I don't care if you got kids, you don't got kids, you're old, you're young. They're after all of us, and they look at us like commodities. We are a product to be bought, sold, and traded. And when we no longer have anything to be gotten, they just kill us. And um, and so we, oh, I already got one. You shouldn't say that. Oh, why? That's what they do. Um <laughs> I just found out today we got a show coming on Wednesday night. Marcia Joyner's coming back. She's had so many family issues here recently and took some much-needed time off. But she'll be coming back with the Betrayed by Hospice shows. Do you know three visits to the emergency room and or the hospital can target you by hospice? Don't do it, especially if you're over 60. Don't do it. Um, I just... I. My recent illness that I had, uh, the first doctor was very nice, very nice man. And he said, stay overnight. Mar-. I nope. And he kept asking me, he said, why won't you stay just overnight? I said, because this is a dangerous place for somebody my age to be. I said, the chances of me making out of here, making it out of here in anything other than a body bag are about nil and none. And he just looked, his face got all red. And by the way, both times I refused a COVID swab. And reminded the second doctor, who was a world-class jackass, um, that there was no virus named COVID-19. This was something they made up. And I said, if you have evidence that it's real, you're the only person in the whole world that does. So why don't you get it out here? Let's let's get famous. And they came back in my room. He got mad. Oh, he was mad. I love it when men, the veins pops out on their forehead and they look like they're going to explode. And... So he sent a girl into my room about 45 minutes later, and down at her side, she's cupping a long swab and a vial, which turns out to be the vaccine. And I said, she's looking at the screen. She said, my goodness, your your vitals are really good for someone your age. I said, I know. And I said, what's that swab for? And she said, well, we're going to swab you for influenza A. I said, no, you're not. And she looked at me, and I said, CDC or nobody is collecting flu stats. They didn't last year. They aren't this year. Everything's being retagged as COVID. I said, fall down, stub your toe. You got COVID toe. I said, everything <laughs> is COVID. And I said, uh, no, you're not. I said, what is that vial there? 
and her face got really red. I said, that stupid vaccine is, and I said, go give it to one of your kids. You're not giving it to me. And I actually got no care, to tell you the truth. They basically did some blood work and left me lay there for two or three hours and sent me home. And uh, But since I wouldn't co- cooperate with the COVID hoax, uh, I have a friend up in St. Cloud whose great grandbaby was seven months old. They gave it that damn vaccine, and the baby died right there in her mother's arms. And the doctor said it wasn't the vaccine. So what did you do to the baby that this happened? Um, Please don't do this to your children. If you're stupid enough to do it to yourself, so be it. But please don't do this to your children. Um, I don't mean to harp on this, but working with some of the people I do, um, that vaccine is basically to turn you into an antenna for EMF radiation, you're turning you're turning yourself into. That's what that magnetic protein is all about. You're becoming a receptor for EMF radiation. So should they decide to take you out, they simply have to locate you, which they can do because now you're radioactive, and <laughs> bingo, bango, you're gone. Um, no, thanks. I'll pass on all that. I'm crazy enough. I don't need you doing anything to me. Anyway. That's my rant for the evening on COVID. Uh, I don't know anybody that believes this mess anymore, but uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Anyway, like I say, if you listen to last Friday night's show, it was a mind blower. And this evening, we've got, like I said, Elaine Mickman co-hosting with me. Reverend Ralph is here. And we have got Patsy Grant and Lynn Morgan back on with us again. And Patsy, we're going to start out with you this time. Um can you give us a little rundown on on your case? Um, yes, thank you for having me on. Um, and my case is a CPS case. Um, and I was married, and he was abusive. And his first charge um, of domestic violence was 1995. And it just never stopped there. It went all the way up until 2008. And then he got prison time for trafficking marijuana, possession of cocaine, trafficking cocaine, aggravating possession of drugs, non-support, eight charges. And then he had gotten other charges, intimidation of victim with a weapon, two charges, which was with a gun to me and the one he was cheating on me with. And wow. I wanted to like read just a brief section. I had it out here um, because this judge that had the case with him, um, he was throwing the book at him, thank God. But mm-hmm. he says... I lost it. Sorry, guys. I had a tab on it. It was, he had been in court um, already for domestic violence, and we were in the room with him. And then they took him back behind the glass. And this is what they wrote. The defendant, who was seated behind the glass in the holding cell, mouthed to both victims that he was going to get them when he got out. Just wait until oh, I get Jesus. out your mind. 
And he took his finger and sliced it across his throat like he was going to kill Oh, my God. Both victims stated that the defendant spoke loud enough that anyone in the courtroom could have heard them. And the staff heard them. And so he had gotten a max sentence. And the judge um, is the only one that actually did something. He said, maybe you think it's a matter of mechanism to threaten people, to intimidate people, to beat them, but it's not okay here. It stops here. Reoccurring pattern in your life with regard to that, the number of people that you have abused and your contempt for them, and ultimately your contempt for the judicial system. And it's going to come to a screeching halt today. You are sentenced to five years in prison. And you will not hurt these women anymore. They will be able to go on with their lives. And the children will be happy. You are maximum sentence. And they said you go to jail. So he served five years for that. That's just one of them. And at that time, that was the 99 case in Children's Service at that time had said he's not allowed to have any contact. So this goes all the way back to then. And all the wow. years that they would come out, he'd get out of prison, do it again, find me. <clears throat> Excuse me, I was in shelters. He'd find me. Um, and then one time he found me. I was, um, he was at work release, and he found me. I was doing something, I think I was shopping or something. He found me, got in my car. And told me to go home because he was going to kill me and my kids. Oh my God! Because no one, because if he can't have me, then no one else is going to have it. So I, mm. it was in 2002, I think, and I went to a place I knew, which my area, which is Maumee, Ohio. I went to a store just to be in the area, and I used the code word and called my sister, and she called the police. They did a two-block chase on him. He darted out the back door. He burglarized, he broke the fence of this elderly lady and used her phone and but just like ran around her house and just, it was freaking her out. So they got him for all these charges and um, he went to prison again. And I think that one was for like four years. And he got out, and, of course, did it again, and then went back for mm-hmm. the drugs. Then he got out because Joan Services helped him get out in 2013. And wow. they're the ones told me never to have him around. But when Joan Services filed to take my kids in 2012, they have a paper that you have to fill out a motion, and in the motion on number eight and nine, it says, Mr. Arnold has significant criminal history, including multiple charges of domestic violence, burglary charges, and drug-related charges. Arnold is currently incarcerated on drug traffic charges, possession of drugs. His expected release date is March 2013. The family has a history of severe domestic Sorry. Severe domestic violence. Historically, Mr. Arnold has physically and emotionally abused Ms. Grant in front of her children. 
This was in 2012. This was their emergency order to take my children away from me, which I was not present for. Oh, my God. And I was in the hospital. I had a migraine and left them with an inappropriate caregiver, which was my mother. Oh. Perfectly fine. I didn't know I was going to be admitted. I thought I'd get, you know, an injection, go home and sleep it off. That didn't happen. I had to stay. They took advantage of that. And they said that I wanted to kill myself, so I was a harm to myself. So they pink slipped me. And they came in and told me they took my children from my mom. And I was like, what? And they had me committed for three weeks. I had no idea about my children. None. They had They were divided. Yes. Yes. They did. Never had that in my entire life, ever. And so it was three weeks. And... I didn't see my, it was March, in March, and then it was like Easter, around Easter time that I got out, and I saw the kids downtown, and CSB, and it was just devastating, and then I find out they're all in four different foster homes. Oh, my. And the baby was two. So then they make up all their case. They build their case. They do all these lies and everything. And they have me on, like, supervised visitations down there, like level one. And then it's forever till you get to level two. And then you get in the community. Like, all of this is forever. Like, it took almost a year for that to happen to me. Actually, it was a year. And he got out of prison in March of 2013, not been in the kids' lives at all, and in and out, enough to abuse me and leave. So then he um, gets out of prison, files for my kids, has Children's Services backing him. Jesus. And then when we finally get to go to court, um... I, when I'm finally to go, me able to go, I guess, um, I get in there and I find out that the magistrate is dating my ex's attorney. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So then I went to California and I had exposed everything on the radio with Wendy <laughs> on the Walter Davis show. And he heard it gave it to the magistrate, and she recused herself. Well. But the damage was already done. Yeah. Wow. And, and then what he was gets a new attorney. I'm yeah, I'm sorry. How, what was the premise for, with his history, in the court system? The um, charges against him. He's rehabilitated. Oh, he's rehabilitated. Yeah, oh, and I said, oh, wait, last time I knew he was institutionalized. That's what that means. He's rehabilitated, huh? Yep. So if I lock my ex-husband in a closet and I don't let him out for four or five years, is he rehabilitated? <laughs> According to them, I guess so. It just makes me so sick because everything that they told me not to do, 
They say I'm crazy because I can't make sense of something that makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. I mean, how would how would you feel about that if that would happen in your situation and they're telling you you're losing your mind because their kids are going to their dad? That is disgusting. I want to bring yeah. Ralph in here uh, for a minute. Okay. He was telling me before we came on air about a turn in his case and just how corrupt these courts and stuff are and how this – to me, it's mind games. They do this stuff that is so blatantly, obviously, corruption and a misuse of their office. Reverend Ralph, can you kind of chime in there a little bit? And Okay. Uh, you mean what we were talking about before it went on the air? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, uh, I have a um, friend who has a very dear loved one, and my friend was telling me that uh, his loved one was dumped into a very low-rated nursing home uh, just because his loved one has a little bit of a memory issue at 97, a little instant memory, instant recall memory issue. And what my friend found out that the original guardian of this loved person and the most recent guardian of this person, they had told the staff at the nursing home to spy on him and his loved person. And spying was done by the staff by listening in to their phone conversations whenever they uh, one would call the other, also listening at the door while they were in the person's room having lunch together, and even listening to the intercom system that is in this person's room. And these guardians are more concerned with learning information to funnel back to the court and to the lawyer uh, that was assigned to the loved person. So it's like a little ring of spies that are trying to get information to discredit my friend from being able to see his loved person who's been in this dump for a year. So these guardians and the judges and the corrupt lawyers that are assigned by the court all to funnel money back to each other, they, are, they will sink to any level just to get their goal, which is the money. And they're trying to destroy my friend because he has been stopping this just blatant stealing of money that this loved person of his has. So make no doubt these guardians will and lawyers and judges will stoop to any level just to get that money. And it was my friend learned today that the uh, guardian, the current guardian, who is a woman who then turned around and hired her husband, who's a lawyer, who turns out to be a friend of the lawyer who was assigned by the court to his loved person. There's like a little circus, a little circle of corruption that just keeps hiring each other. Well, my friend found out today that the current guardian of his loved one, they are telling him he has to take three-hour classes three times a week to prove that he is 
or to make him a so-called better person for his loved one because they are trying to claim that he is not fit to be with his loved person where they but they are ignoring the fact that the loved person has not been allowed outside for a year even though the person's in just for a little memory problem the person was dumped into the mental ward of this nursing home a year ago and in addition both current and previous guardians have not taken the person the loved person to any medical appointments for an entire year. So who really needs rehabilitation? The friend or the guardians that don't seem to care that this 97-year-old person has not gone to any doctor's appointments for a year and has not been outside for a year for exercise or fresh air. This is disgusting, but again, this is the corruption of the legal guardianship. Yep. Well, Patsy, I think you're lucky that um, you just had to stay three weeks. I think this is I, yeah. listening to this stuff. This is just insane. And yeah, but they kept trying to force and openly. They're doing it right in front of. They don't care who knows, because nobody's going <clears> to <throat> do anything. Hey, Reverend Reverend Ralph Elaine. Um, yeah, hi. So, you know, I believe, I, I, you know, based on what you're saying, it sounds to me like invasion of privacy. And I think there's a law, something like uh, intrusion upon seclusion or something. You know, like the peeping Tom laws, that, there's a whole list of categories that fall under there. And stalking, I mean, spying, stalking. And isn't it interesting that over in the Montgomery County Courthouse there, where they did, have signs on some of the doors outside the courtrooms, which are supposed to be open, courts are open, saying that you can't re- uh, have your phone on or record anything. Yet the people who are involved in this same court system are, you know, violating all these um, laws that involve privacy. Just thought oh, I'd bring I, that up. You, you're, <laughs> very, you're very true, Elaine. Uh, I agree with you 100% that my friend has basically been a victim of uh, espionage that these certain <laughs> yeah. people, and it is the yeah. Montgomery County Courthouse, by the way, just for the listeners, uh, the fact that these people will violate anybody's constitutional rights and their civil rights by also forbidding for the last year for this friend of mine to have a phone or the loved one to have a phone even in the room or even a medical alert necklace on this loved person. So how can people, uh, and what's interesting is the definition of a guard is to protect lives and property. I like to know how they can call themselves guardians, but their first, second, and third primary concern is just the money, getting the money as much well, as possible. Well, they never said guarding, and that was what yeah. they were guarding is just a, they're the guarding. Money. They're guarding their bank accounts. Period. So yeah, I guess they're in the. the you know, uh, you know, when we talk oh, about HIPAA. Really. Uh, they always when you try to get medical files. Oh, under the patient protection, is a patient protection. That's medical protection. 
so that you can't see any misdiagnosis, mistreatment. That is a protection so you can't sue. It isn't anything to do with the patient. Furthermore, in these courts, these tribunals actually, once they take your personality, your uh, identity from you, this is called losing your legal capacity. You become, you suffer a civil death. You're no longer a human being, apparently. You have no identity. That identity is given to that guardian. And so apparently the person you are protecting is that guardian standing over there. It isn't the person who was in the hospital, the the person we're talking about that's a pivotal point in all of this. Um, I just, you know, and, and Patsy, listening to your story, the, the idea that this, the, the violence involved here, the violence against you, the threat to your children, and all of these other things this man did that he got in trouble for, it wasn't just confined to you all. And they gave us the, he, how do you rehabilitate a crazy person? You can't do it. You can't right. do it. A violent person, I mean, the awful things that have been done, I mean, and knives and guns, I mean, it's not just little things. And the worst part of it is that they terminated my parental rights just to my youngest daughter. I was okay to be around the other ones. I had them at home, had oh. them visits, did that kind of stuff. I couldn't see her, but he would torture her by bringing her to drop off the other kids at our drop-off locations. And oh, she would wow. cry and cry. But I saw her unsupervised in my own vehicle because he thought he was going to get back with me. And since wow. I did not bow down to him, as he said, um, I didn't get to see her again because he didn't get control. He didn't get what he wanted. I've been in a healthy, awesome relationship for nine years, and he doesn't like that. Can't have no. control. I'm already so that's how that to get message, messages here about whiny women and you provoke men. And hey, listen, I'm going to speak from firsthand experience here, you jackass. <laughs> there is nothing worse. <laughs> Than being penned up in a house, crazy man who intends to do you harm, on your best day as a woman, you can't whip him. And I'm a pretty tough old bird. You can't whip him. So you had to do like I did, wait till he went to sleep and beat the hell out of him. And uh, mm. and I did. But Remember the burn, Dad? More... Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Remember that movie, The Burn, and, Dad, uh, Marty? Yes. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's an important part of this. I, I think an important part of this that Patsy needs to explain to the people, so that that idiot that just chimed in there, we didn't need his little bit of two cents, but um, nope. he absolutely has no sense. So he's speaking from his butt. Patsy's mm-hmm. voice, if you notice her voice when she's speaking, that comes mm-hmm. from someone choking and strangulating yes. her so hard. That he almost broke her windpipe and her trachea. Jeez. And oh, also, God. Patsy should let the public know that the only child that was taken from her and terminated from her, that mm-hmm. is a daughter that is not even biologically the ex-husband's daughter. Mm-hmm. So wow. after Patsy escaped that very violent uh, 
and I'm Lynn Morgan, by the way. Sorry, folks. Yeah, after mm-hmm. Patsy mm-hmm. escaped the violence from that first husband, um, after a few years, she was in a relationship with another man, and that is that other man's daughter. So her ex-husband got of a young daughter that's not even biologically his. That can never oh. happen in a court system, but it happens in Ohio. Right. Well, yeah, because Ohio, right. after termination, you don't get, you're not allowed to get your rights back. It's one right. of the states that doesn't allow it. Well, he got rehabilitation after acting like a crazy fool for years. Why in the hell can't you yeah. get all that? Yeah. I was just wondering, Patsy, do they have? Did they have a? Um, uh, did they conduct any kind of hearing to terminate your uh, your parental rights? Well, yeah, they they had a hearing. Um, first, he got there was a hearing that I said where the magistrate was dating his attorney, and then oh. that was done and over with. So they kept it with the same. It was done in um, 2013. It was to a. It was like March. At first, in March, they were going to give me the kids back, but he got out of jail, so that changed. So then we went to court. Um, in November, and then we had to wait until December to go back, or October, and then go back in December. There was a gap in between our trial days. And then on January 3rd, he got the custody of the three kids. Angelina went in foster care, again, multiple of them. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said her name, my youngest. Um, and she um, went had to have a trial just for her because LCCS filed for permanent custody. So then we had that. I had a private attorney, um, and then they kept telling me, I'm not going to get her. I'm not going to get her. You know, you need to find someone else to get her. So I found my aunt Mm -hmm. and my uncle. You know, they get my, you know, I hate this. I don't say say this in any, uh, I'm I'm, I'm sympathetic. I'm not saying it in any bad way. But, you know, when they, take your kid like that and basically adopt them out, they're getting paid money. They get money, you know, I yes. think oh, absolutely. absolutely. Four thousand and and for all I and if they were before an adoption, if if that uh your ex was taking care of that child, he's probably collecting, you know, money as a foster child first. So he's making money off of your child, not his. And it's unfortunate that like you go into the courtroom and all you're doing is going through the motions so they can rubber stamp something that was already decided. It's, yep. It's, yeah, it was decided without you even in the room. It yep. is. Yeah. They have, oh, we're going to have a meeting. You can come in in a minute. Well, why? So then they, what they did in the, in the um, TPR hearing is they, my aunt and uncle, they were going to have my attorney represent them. Um, well, they found it was a conflict, so then we were both left without an attorney at all. And then there was a case going on for two years, so, you know, they're going to lose jurisdiction. So they had to hurry the case up. So they appoint me an attorney. She has less than um, two weeks on the case to prepare for a trial that she has no idea what's been going on. And when we get into court... She says, oh, well, Your Honor, um, 
um, we need to get up to speed because I was only appointed um, two weeks ago on this case. And he goes, well, that makes two of us. Hadn't even looked at the case or done anything. I'm thinking, oh, it was a VJ, by the way, too, a visiting judge. And I'm like, oh, this is going to go good. So I asked him to get a continuance. So I was like, well, let's get a continuance. We're not ready. I'm not going to go forward like this. Well, my attorney was told that they appointed me that there is going to be no other date. This date stands firm, and this is in her own words right here. It says, this was to my Supreme Court attorney, Patsy shared with me the MIJS. You do know that the Judge Zimmerman, which is the judge in juvenile court, removed Dennis, which was my attorney, for a conflict and then bought into right retired visiting judge Peter Hanwork to try the case as a VJ. Both the judge and I were on the case less than a month. Judge Zimmerman insisted when I was appointed that the trial date stand firm, and that was Amber Onis that represented me at that time. And the trial wow. proceeded, and I didn't have any witnesses. She, all my witnesses, she just said, oh, we're not going to use them. Oh my so God. my TPR case, I had no witnesses. She told you everything. Yeah, she did. Absolutely, she yeah. did. And that took my rights of my baby. Christmas. And then, and then he, you know, I was seeing the kids, and then I wasn't seeing the kids. My other three, and then my one aged out, and then I have the two I was seeing, and he, my ex made them hurt me like he did. He just kept doing it and kept doing it and then made them like run from me in public places or destroy my house or steal my SD cards and break them in half or steal my tablets. It's just awful. They used the kid uh, to do his dirty work. Yeah. Because yeah. he's controlling God. them because he can't control me. I've seen that happen before, Patsy. I have seen that happen more than it's once. It's a cycle of violence. It, it, <laughs> yes, it is. And, it, and the kids participate because they're terrified of him. They're terrified not exactly. to do it because he might might do this to them. Right. Yep. And they have Stockholm mm-hmm. Syndrome. And they classically condition them. That classical condition, yes. like Pavlov's dog. You know, they give them rewards to do certain things, and then the kid no longer even realizes, you know, they're just conditioned into doing this. It's awful. How old is your baby? How old's the youngest that they uh, adopted out? Well, for one, he can't adopt her, so she's kind of in limbo. She's just been just staying there because of his found record. So they gave her to somebody when their goal was adoption that can't even adopt her. Wow. And so how old is she? How old is she, she now? Was, she's 12 now. She was two when they took her. Oh, oh my God. And then my yeah, one child had, that... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say in in the guardianship stuff, this is called torture-based bonding. And it's oh, this geez. psychological torment constantly. Uh, this yes. torture that they put on them. And they, they'll quickly knuckle under out of fear. And they'll align with their tormentor, uh, try to get their approval, just so they don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. 
is it right. disgusting. My um, what one of my childs aged out. Well, okay. actually, two of them are aged out now. Came to me on his senior year, um, which was in 2016, and he came to me because he said his dad beat him up and threw him out. So he showed oh. up at my boyfriend's door, and he went down and he filed charges and was going to get a CPO, and then he calls me and says. Mom, I dropped it because Dad's going to buy me a truck. And then I get this paper he brings to me and says, the petitioner requests that this ex parte order is dismissed, civil protection order. And my son, that's an adult now, he said, he's my dad, and I don't want to not be in his life for the rest of my life. Wow. I want him to be involved with me. So I forgive him. Oh this my is God. Reverend Ralph. This is Reverend and Ralph. They, yeah. Go ahead, Reverend. Uh, uh, it sounds like the uh, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Uh, for those yeah. that don't know, it's uh, when people, when soldiers are pris- become prisoners of war. After a while, they start to side with the enemy just because they're convinced, brainwashed into thinking the enemy is really their friend. But my yeah. other question, my question for Patsy is. When they said your um, your husband or ex-husband was rehabilitated, how did they determine that? Yeah. Um, well, they have these people that, you know, CSB has so they can go and do evaluations. And there was no services requested when he did that evaluation through them. So they said that he's rehabilitated. And I said oh. he's institutionalized. And I said, wait a yeah. minute. I had my psychological evaluation done by you know whoever you picked and they never let me see it but they said it said all this stuff in there and I'm like uh, I don't believe it well the guardian which was never anywhere which is disbarred now but she um said that she had to retract it from the court and put her input in it and CSB's input in it and then submit it back to the court But they didn't do Reverend, that with his. This is Reverend Ralph again. Uh, you had talked about uh, the psychological evaluation. Uh, this is the same thing that's used in guardianships to determine if somebody, you know, uh, you know, no, you know, to determine capacitation or incapacitation. And one of the things uh, a friend had exposed in court was what is the accuracy of that uh, so-called evaluation. And what's interesting, in Pennsylvania, there are no standards as to what constitutes an accurate evaluation, and yet it just is basically uh, a formality that anything that the psychologist puts on a piece of paper, if he likes it, that supposedly constitutes an evaluation. But there is no independent proof that 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 that, there is no independent proof that that so-called evaluation has any value. So basically the psychological evaluations or whatever, they're not worth the paper they're printed on. And yet they're looked at by the judge or the court says, oh, well, if a psychologist uses it, it must be real. It must be accurate. And it's a joke. You might as well flip a coin. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You're right. Custody evaluators are most of them retired psychologists. And they use them because they pay them cash. You you can't pay 
by a credit card or a check. You have to pay in cash to have these evaluators. And my ex-husband had paid $10,000 for this. Dr. Harvey Kane, who was retired, but he called himself semi-retired. So that way he could take cases for people, you know, cash payers who would come in for an evaluator. And this evaluator said, do not remove these children from their mother. They are bonded with her. She loves them. She protects them. And also said that the father's actions and behaviors are what caused him to lose parenting time. They disregarded completely what Dr. Harvey Kane had said. And, in fact, I saw Dr. Harvey Kane two weeks ago at the driver's license office. And he almost fell over when I told him that they've taken the children and I never saw them again. So the courts do what they want to do. They only have the custody evaluator listed to try to make it look legitimate. And it's not. There's no way a custody evaluator to you for an hour and a half, talk to your entire family for about 10 hours total, and make an assumption or a proper evaluation that they know what your life, what you went through. There's, it's impossible. It's all, it's all a sham legal process. If you look it up, every state has a revised code for sham legal process. And everybody needs to start filing petitions to the courts and to their Supreme Court and filing a remonstrance with their legislators because of the sham legal process. It it has to end. That's where they get the funding from, and that's where all the state money comes from and the federal dollars come in. It's just a windfall of cash for these people. Can you explain what a remonstrance is? Okay, a remonstrance is, if you look at the First Amendment, it has four parts, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to, and the fourth part is the absolute right to petition your government for a redress of grievances. So how do we do that? We do that by way of remonstrance. So you don't have to be very skilled at creating one of these you just have you just it has to be listed as um, petition under the first amendment and then you say this is a remonstrance for redress of grievances you tell your senators and your congress and you can send one to the governor too basically you summarize your story of what happened to you and you say that this is your grievance this is how they failed you And you can put some case law, and you can put some constitutional law. I always use United States Supreme Court cases in the Constitution, because those are law. So you want to tell them what your grievance is, show them how did they violate you, and you can say, this is the remedy that I seek. That is a remonstrance. You can take it to your Capitol building in your state and submit that. They have a bunch of bozos working there because you tell your (laughs) Capitol building workers, I'm filing a petition for remonstrance, and they're going to say, what? What is that? (laughs) Obviously, they don't know the law, and they don't know what the Constitution says. In fact, 
I was discussing with Kathy earlier that whenever there is a court order or judgment or ruling, if there's any fraud attached to that, that court order is void ab initio. It's not voidable. It is void and unenforceable. In fact, it's a non-appealable order. You cannot appeal a void. You can't appeal a nothingness. But yet they have the men and women in the court. You go to family court, you have to appeal. That's another 20 grand. You get kicked back to the family court, you got to appeal again. It is their vicious cycle. And believe me, the family court, the trial court, and the appellate courts are all in the sham legal process. God, gee, many Christmas. Yes, so you got to gather your folks. I'm sorry? Okay, I'm going to tell you, we've got, I've got messages flying in here from men. I don't have any from women yet. Uh, Well, what did she do, talking about Patsy, what did she do that upset him so bad that he would treat her like that? Well, let's see, she was breathing. Let me answer that. And... uh, Okay. I will. Yes, definitely. Um, I believe that, you know, both parents should have access to the children as long as they're not violent. But if a mom is protecting their children and the one that you think that you love and they love you back, they don't. They show their love through violence. And you can't get away from something like that that keeps following you. And the court allows them to go into court again, represent themselves, and re-victimize you by using the court system. You don't have to do something to somebody in a relationship for someone that has been doing it his entire life. He did it to his mother. He did it to his dad. He's abused a lot of people. Um, Wow. I know that fathers are saying, or men, I don't know if he's dad or not, but... That you know, what did you do? That's that's a stigma. That's a stigma. You don't you don't have to do anything. Yes. Right. No, you don't have to, Marty. You don't have to do anything. I I back her up a hundred percent. People made these remarks to me. My ex husband he broke my neck. He uh, crushed four discs in my neck. Um, I I still ha- I don't I didn't lose my voice box or anything, but um, I didn't do anything. And by the way. One of the, they they had two different movies. One with that Jennifer Lopez, I think that was called Enough, and Enough. then there was the other yeah. one with Julia Julia Roberts. Um, I forget that movie, the name of it. I can't register the name. And and that shows that that basically, you know, show even though they weren't true stories, maybe it shows how an abuser is so uh, unhinged and you know off the wall that. It doesn't even take anything for to set them off. So the, no. these are unusual type of yeah. These are people. These are extremes. This is not uh, just have some you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed that outside of your relationship and outside of your home, they're Mister Nice Guy? Why they are the oh, best gosh, guy yes. they ever? Oh yes. Aren't you mm-hmm. lucky to have this wonderful guy? You yep. don't know what yep. a monster he is at home. And no, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, um, Mm -hmm. very much so. Very much so. Uh, I got knocked out when I took and supper. Came in from work, and I hadn't done anything. I was cooking supper and just had a bad day, and bam. Uh, Don't Mm -hmm, don't come to me. All of you need to put a cap on it, put your keyboard up, 
because I don't want to hear a bunch of whiny damn men talking about, well, she, yeah. she did this and she did, and it's her own fault. No, it's your fault. It's your yeah, fault. A You're lot a of these men, yes, it, it, is, it is destructive masculinity. A lot of times yes. when these men get married, and, and they're hardwired that way. So gentlemen yes. that are listening, um, you can control on this. This is something you can control because not everyone is an abuser, okay? Not every man is abusive. But right. it is in the destructive masculinity that when you sign your marriage contract, they believe they've signed a bill of sale. So now it's yes. ownership because you have to yes. take his name. And he's right. putting you under his name, under his umbrella. He says, this is my house I provided for you. You don't eat unless I feed you. You don't get any money unless I screw you. Whenever I want, however I want, even in the middle of the night when you're sleeping, I have a right to that. That mentality, folks, gentlemen, it has to change. A woman yep. is a very, very precious um and I won't say thing because we're not things. Women are precious, period. We are beloved yep. by God. We carry God's children. Any man okay. that strikes a woman and is abusive to women, they are, that's a one-way ticket to hell. Let me, let me, another one of my little asides here about what that marriage ceremony is. Now, in the olden days, the girl's family had to have a dowry for her. In other words, things that could be farm animals, mm-hmm. could be household goods, whatever, to calm that man into taking her, this worthless girl, on. The act of the father walking her down the aisle with her face covered is his assurance she's a virgin. Like, that's going to happen these days. But <laughs> that whole wedding thing. Uh, this whole big display, there's thousands of dollars. This goes back to this dowry thing. This is her family putting on this huge production so that he thinks he's getting a deal. And that's what that's all about. When the father walks up and the minister says, who gives this bride? And the father says, I, her father, do. You have to understand what happens at that point. This, again, goes back to early times. He is handing her off to her new owner. That's why she takes his name. He is declaring ownership over her. And the father is done with her at that point. Um, This goes back along this wedding ceremony. Isn't the holier than thou? Oh, we did it in God's eyes. Now you just got sold, girlfriend. Um, That isn't what it ever was. It never was. This is part of that of always subjugating, marginalizing, pushing to second-class women. And if they try to stand up, oh, you're a feminist. Well, maybe I am. I think women should be paid the same for the same job. I think we should be free of violence in our home. Um, I, I just think all kinds of things like that. And uh, Hey, Marty. Hey, Marty. Yes. Then when you go and get divorced, you're supposedly is supposed to be um, a partnership in the eyes of the law. It's when you get married, it's the the court is only supposed to view this as like a business partnership splitting up. It's not they don't they're not supposed to involve any emotion, nothing like that. Right. Cheating didn't matter. None of that matters. But then what happens? They're supposed to divide those assets because you're splitting up a business partner. Yes. All of a sudden. All of a sudden, there's no partnership. 
<laughs> for some people like me because I get zero and ex-husband keeps the entire marital estate from almost a 30-year yep. marriage. So so there right. is no partnership there as they <laughs> no. fool us all. And, yeah, we were – many women are sold and uh, yes. were sold a bag of beans and a bag of beans. <laughs> Sold a bag. Nancy, we're, we're, being sold, we're being sold yeah. a bag of beans, and we are the people being sold, yes, like property. Yeah. 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 You're right. Good morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt anybody if they wanted to finish. No, no. I was okay. just going to state to the people to look up a case called Jelm versus Jelm. J-E-L-M versus J-E-L-M. That is an Ohio Supreme Court case, and it states in there that there are three parties to every marriage when you marry in the court. So you go down to the courthouse, and you and your husband sign the document for a marriage license. You don't license a right. You cannot license a right. That's your right to get married. But the state wants in on it. So now once you sign their documents, the state becomes a third party in every marriage and they consider it a corporation and they have access to your children that way. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, Ralph. Uh, Yeah, this is Reverend Ralph. I have a question for Elaine. I've heard many times that uh, in orphans court, uh, the people are told they can't talk about it outside the courtroom because it would violate the privacy of the alleged, uh, victim. What is your opinion on that? Can you explain? <laughs> I had to, well, I can't. Uh, they, they, uh, I, I think, well, what's curious is how they all pretend as if they're these medical HIPAA rights, but they don't even allow the individual their own access to their own records, like the person who's being guardianed. I, I mm-hmm. honestly don't believe by, if, uh, you know what, I haven't looked up the law. Certainly every state is different with the guardianship stuff. But um, I would, I know the one thing I do know, and I think all of us know this, that guardians are supposed to be the closest kin to the person who is yes. being yes. guardian. Yes. You know, your child yes. or your spouse. And, and, they're, and they are... The, what's happening actually in reality is they're the very people who they're blocking from seeing these people who are guardians, uh, you right. know, because it's all about the, you know, it's all about stealing those assets. As far as right. talking, I, I don't know how you overcome because because these courts or what Marty calls these tribunals <laughs> that are not, they're not following the law. They're just taking away everybody's rights as if it, as if they're the king, as you know, they just nobody's these following are the, old the law. That's why. Yeah, these yeah. are the old star chambers from England, where you were dug, and the reason they called them star chambers was just for fun. All the ceilings were painted with a nighttime scene and stars all over it, so they called them star chambers. And mm-hmm. but these were kangaroo courts, and they operated yeah. just like tribunals do here outside of the law. These courts, as you call them, these tribunals were intentionally split away from civil and criminal courts to avoid the Constitution, to avoid the common law. You have no rights in these tribunals. 
The minute you step in the room, you have acquiesced. You forfeited. The minute you agree to appear, you forfeited. But they don't tell you that. And, and they, they, they abuse you. They abuse you horribly. Yes. When I was going through the family court stuff and they came in, they had no, there was no justification after my divorce trial to withhold assets from me. So they had to create an excuse. So there was nothing. I was a saint. Marty, I didn't even have a parking ticket. <laughs> I mean, there was yeah. nothing they had. They, they didn't have anything. I don't smoke, drink, or right. drugs, nothing. I don't gamble, nothing, nothing. Not that anything, not that those things are crimes, I'm saying, but I'm just saying nothing. So so they decide to use the children, the custody, as a, as a means, and they just make up some crazy order out of the clear blue, call me into court with my kids before the courtroom even opened up, and... The judge reads off some emergency order. We don't know how or where it came from. It's not based. There was nothing presented. Nobody ever accused me in writing of anything. And they sold. They basically sold my the, the legal custody of my children to a, another divorce attorney. And uh, they had me going in and out of all these different psychologists three times a week all over the place. I had to run. Now, the one guy who did evaluations of us, after we've already went through evaluations years before, he, I was forced to sign a, a contract with someone. So this is a court-ordered person, Yet, and they do this all the time. The person will be court-ordered, but they're ordering you, me rather, and, and others who go through this, to sign a contract that, you number one, you can't sue the psychologist, you, that the psychologist is allowed to, Wave that you have to waive your HIPAA rights, not just for myself, for my children. So he was, so this psychologist was allowed to let's say he could, he could just make up anything. He could write a book about us and make up anything he wants. And so what I'm telling you, when uh, Reverend Ralph said, "Hey, how about how do you not speak about uh, you know a case that's going on? Do they have that right?" Well, you know they don't by if you look at any laws. But what do? But what they're actually doing is another thing, and you know what they do. They use the threat of contempt, and contempt they could do anything to you. They throw you in the in the slammer, and there's no guidelines uh, for contempt, which is really scary because they can lock you up in prison for 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 life. Literally, uh, well, it's not the, like the thing is that that uh, magistrate or that hearing examiner or administerial clerk that's sitting up there masquerading as a judge of the law, which they are yeah. not, that's a fraud, has no authority to put you in jail. What they do is called a spreadable action. They send the order over to a state-level judge who signs the order and sends it back, and that's who puts you in jail. But that person well, sitting up that. there – go ahead. Sorry. What? Um, I just had a, when in 2019, um, he was found in contempt of court, my ex, and uh -huh. this is what they said. They gave him a purge. He didn't do it, which was just to take the kids to medical appointments because I got him on medical neglect. Um, it said, Ms. Grant shall have temporary custody of minor children from February 14, 2019, which is the day the father of the minor children 
is anticipated to have completed his sentence of incarceration. Custody of the children shall revert to Mr. Arnold upon his release from incarceration. So I get him for Good 10 God days. Good God Almighty. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. This stuff. 10 days. And, um, and girls, where again is all this occurring? I got people asking where this is occurring. Mine's uh, in Lucas County, Fleet, Ohio. Lucas You're County. You're in Ohio. Yes. Okay, Lucas County. Okay. Lynn, where were you located? Yes, I'm in Boardman, Ohio. Ohio is the hub of all the corruption in the United States. In fact, um, if a president runs, he has to win Ohio to be able to be president. If you don't win Ohio, you're not going to be. Yes, ma'am. And if you look up in the Columbus Dispatch, Multiple articles have been written to prove that Ohio is the number one corrupt state in the United States. In fact, laws and case law that comes out of Ohio, they use it in Colorado, Massachusetts. And in fact, that case that I mentioned, the Jelm versus Jelm, that's also being used in Massachusetts and three other states. So Ohio is, is the home base for all the fraud and corruption. Now, one more wow. thing that the people need to be aware of in the United States, our governor, Mike DeWine, just signed contracts to start manufacturing those little microchips that are going to be implanted Uh-oh. in people. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. Uh-oh. <laughs> no. No. Mm-mm. It just, I, I'm telling you, we are so sunk. We we are being, you know, when you look at all of this and you look at, you know, to look at even just these cases, it's startling, it's frightening, it's infuriating. But when you look at the bigger picture and everything and all of this, I consider uh, this whole COVID hoax a genocide, most particularly against the elderly. Now they're going after our young children. The vaccine regimens have damaged more. We're raising entire generations of vaccine damaged children. Um, all sorts of disorders coming from this because we got scared of measles. And, um, but, you know, you look at all this, the medical industry, hospitals, pharmaceuticals, the whole nine yards kills hundreds of thousands of people every year. Uh, Medical mistakes, medical misdiagnosis, uh, infections caught in the hospital, failure to treat, failure to provide care. Drugs that just maim and kill and murder people uh, that that have absolutely no valid function. We do this, like say, hundreds of thousands. Chemotherapy kills an average of a million people a year. And yet people keep lining up to get chemotherapy. Well, give me some of that. And uh, you know what I'm saying. And recently a friend I had gone to high school with, her sister, uh, had contracted leukemia in the hospital. They're giving her chemotherapy. And she goes to visit her, and the doctor meets her and says, I've got good news and bad news. And she said, what is it? And he said, well, the bad news is your sister passed away today. The good news is we cured her leukemia. And she said, I was standing there stunned. And she said, I said, what did you say? And he said, well, we cured the leukemia. He said, but the chemo ate holes in her bladder and her, um, mm-hmm. I think it was her lungs. And he said, uh, mm-hmm. 
uh, it burned holes in it, and she died from infections that we couldn't control. And I said, what did you say? She said, I was looking at him. He said, so you have to look at the good with the bad. We cured the leukemia. She says, well, she's dead. I guess you did. And he goes, well, see, that's the way you did. She said, I punched him right square in the face. I said, good for you. <laughs> good for you. How old are you And uh, Oh, man. But, uh, you know, but this is what I'm saying. There is this mass destruction on so many levels. They're after the elderly. They're after our children. These stories uh, Lynn and, and Patsy have told, it's just heart-wrenching. And what it's kind of animals are you saying? <laughs> Yeah, that are sitting in these courts and, you know, setting this stuff up, allowing it to happen, pushing it along. What's wrong with these people? I mean, they've got to always compare, like, consider them all predators. And people said, and I also believe, that science is coming to believe, that there are at least two species, if not three, of human being walking the earth. Oh, that can't be true. We're all, no, it can be true. And I liken it to these predators being the difference between a pack of wolves and domestic dogs. They look the same, but they're two entirely different animals with two entirely different intents. And so we are beset by these predators. And this is the way we have to view these people as what they are, predators. And they are preying on the rest of us. Uh, I've never seen so many people caught up in so much crap in my life but above and beyond all of that girls listening to your stories and elaine when i first heard yours we are still as women being i don't even know what the word is we're we're treated so terribly by the court system as if we don't matter and according Mm -hmm. to the law basically we don't Everything is it's about, all about money. money. Yeah, and money, yes. And yeah, it's, it it's must be his. Money. If there's money, it must be his. And um, I, this is just, uh, call me what you will. I'm already getting called names here. <laughs> Bite me. I don't give a damn. Um, <laughs> but as women, we've got to stand up. And as women, we have got to support one another. We yes. have got to stop. I, I get tired of seeing women attack. You know, well, I you know I do this, and my husband's a king of the house. Good for you. You go ahead and be a little doormat if you want to. That's your choice. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. But don't knock other women. You weren't in I their mean, shoes. There are you good men out there. there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there I are. I don't want yet, people but, to think yeah. that. I mean, I don't want yeah. people to think that we're knocking all men because we're not. Right. It's it's mm-hmm. just if you're abusive, you're abusive. If you're a cheater, you're mm-hmm. a cheater. If, you know, you don't change yep. your ways, your stripes don't go away. No. There's very few men be- that respect a woman that has a career. They fear that. And a big problem that we have, which I spoke to a gentleman after he heard your last show, Marty, he said mm-hmm. a big problem that women have is women are jealous and hateful to other women. That's yes. why we can't get this thing going because if, say, if Lynn, me, I start oh, yeah. maybe a rally in a parade, I will have other women jump in there and try to throw a wrench in it so that I can't yes. accomplish what, I'm, what I've am what set out to yes. do. 
because women are catty. They look each other up and down like, who does she think she is getting all the men? Well, you know, I've had to live with that all my life, unfortunately, and it's not something that I ever promoted. It's just it's an attitude, I think, that I have and a a pleasantness that I deal with all people. Um, I don't look at men as inferior or superior because we are equal. We are on equal yeah, ground. Men. You need me just as much as I need you. So, yes. you know, men become afraid when they see a woman having a career because they think that all women are supposed to be blonde and stupid and bubbly with a cute little perky butt walking around the house that they can just, you know, drink their beer and screw all day long when they get home from work. And that's not the real life, okay? Men think about sex every 20 seconds, all right? (laughs) Wow. So, yes, that's the only, well, they're wired that way. You know, and it's unfortunate because the only thing that they're thinking of is mating continuously. They they eat to have the strength to mate. They work to make some money to attract the female to mate. Every single thing that they do from sunup to sundown has to revolve around sex. When they start thinking that, you know, maybe they could go and be a mentor to someone or take up a sport, and start to have like a life other than your your little bubbly little bubble-headed thing walking around the house, we women have to empower each other and build each other up, not tear each other down. I spend every single day, and and I'm going to say this, ladies, and, and I'm just telling you the truth. When I see you and I pass you, I will smile and say that blouse looks really beautiful on you even if yep. it's the most horrible blouse in the world. But I want you to feel good and happy yes. and confident. I have told women, like even today when I was out at the library and I went to the post office, your dress is so beautiful. It was a blue paisley yep. dress. It really wasn't. But I told her that it was because she was wearing it and it made her feel better about that. Yeah. Now, why yeah. am I sharing that? Not because... I'm a fake, and I try to be fake with people. No, I compliment people to build people up and give them more confidence to build other people up. Even if I didn't particularly like the dress, it looked good on her, and it made her happy. So you compliment each other. That's the only way we're going to get through this, ladies, is not by uh, typing Oh, Lynn thinks she knows everything about the law. Don't follow her because you need to follow me. I've had that happen. A a woman on Facebook actually saw that I was having a rally and a parade to the White House, and she tried to tell everybody that I belong to the Father's Rights Group, and I don't. I have nothing to do with groups. No. I do my own thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what you're dealing yeah. with is a glory hog, and what we call glory hogs. Because <laughs> yeah. usually does a, a, a little stick on them. But they will do this. They'll put out all kinds. I've had it done to me by one notorious hog. Uh, put out all kinds <laughs> of crazy crap about me. I mean, it was just awful. And somebody said, aren't you going to go say something about him? No. No, I'm not. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. And um, 
And that's the thing. You don't have to defend yourself. It's very obvious what these people are doing. And they'll tell lies. They'll tell all kinds of things as if it was the gospel. And there's nothing to back it up. They cannot prove what they say because what they're saying is untrue. And so all they can do is make up more lies, which many of them are prolific at. They'll do. But uh, women Mm -hmm. in particular are bad at backbiting and carrying on. One thing I took exception with um, was that parade they had, women's parade they had here about three years ago. And the women wearing, I don't know who even thought of this, they had sewn for them to wear on their heads what looked like vaginas. And I was just grossly humiliated. And um, this was supposed to be a big promotion for women. Uh, Please, not in my name, not in my name. But you talked about being gagged by these these, yes, by these courts. It's very vulgar. The Pelletier case. It has nothing that to do with feminine. Right. The Pelletier case. And this had to do with Boston Children's Hospital. Um, the girl had a, a disorder that was uh, well proven by, uh, and I can't remember the other name of the institution that was involved, but very reputable. I do remember that. And she had been living with this. Well, she got sick one evening. Her parents called the first institution. They said, you're closer to Boston Children's. Take her there. So they did. They immediately said, there's nothing wrong with her. It's all psychological. And they guardianized her. And it took parents a year to get her out. By the time they did, she's confined to a wheelchair now because of what they did. They pulled back all her medication and everything that she was surviving on. And the thing is, they gave him a gag order. You can't talk. Her dad was all over the news. He was everywhere. He said, they told me I have a gag order and I can't talk about it. He said, the hell if I can't. You kidnapped my daughter. You're causing her harm. I'm going to scream it from the rooftops. They never did anything to gag order. The whole country. Yeah. Yep. They and they me. do this to people. Yep. And, uh, the only purpose of the gag order is to hide the truth. They try to get my doctor. That is a violation of your First Amendment. You have a right to speak and your 14th Amendment right to due process. The most fundamental part of the right of due process is the right to be heard. So anytime that these little administrative clowns wearing a dress or a costume and they get up there and tell you, I'm putting a gag order on you, that is unconstitutional and whoever would follow that. I wouldn't even care if they put me in jail in contempt or whatever. If I'm in the courtroom, I'm speaking. That's it. Yeah. I have well, a right to the be there. Is, I have a right to be heard. They have, This is why they set up these tribunals and brought all of this away, took it away from state civil and criminal courts, was because in a tribunal, you don't have any constitutional rights, according to them. You don't have a right to due process. You don't have a right to a jury trial. You don't have a right to be heard. and You have a fundamental unalienable right no matter what. I agree. I totally agree with you. But even the Supreme Court won't hear these cases. Um, they won't hear anything to do with any of these cases because they said it's under the state's control and property. Property. Get that word. Property. And so they, they can't get involved in it. They can get their damn nose and everything else. Uh, but not these cases. And uh, Well, Marty, what did but, Thomas Jefferson say about these offices that they've set up? 
Do you remember what Thomas Jefferson wrote? And he gave a warning to the people. He said, he has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. Yes. Yes. That's a warning. And damned if they aren't doing it. Damned if they aren't doing it. I don't know. Just as a... What do you... All of you. I'd like to hear from each one of you. What do you think it's going to take to stop this? You hey, know I don't know, Marty. That's Lee Lynn Morgan, Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, probably, because she I'll tell it. you what Alexander Hamilton said in that Federalist paper. I think it was 78. He said, the only thing we have to fear about the judiciary is, and I'm paraphrasing, is when they join forces with the other branches of government. So we yes. don't have any, not certainly no, nobody in Pennsylvania, you go to any, whether it's a state legislator or at the federal level, none of them will do anything about any, no. I've gone on all these different kind of issues, all sorts of, you know, from any angle you can think of, and they won't do anything. All the people no. who have the ability to do it, because they are, they are serving the judges and the governor, you know, that's the executive branch. They're all working all together on their side for their own We interest. don't have, they don't we don't have about, an independent, yeah, yeah we don't have an yeah. independent judiciary, not at the state level, not at the Supreme Court. Do we have an independent judiciary? And this has become one of the most corrupt organizations, agencies, whatever you want to call it to ever exist. Um, If you look at what the Supreme Court of the United States does, uh, go back to Obamacare, when (laughs) they said uh, they had a right, it it was constitutional, this is Roberts writing what was one of the most convoluted, twisted, tortured pieces of opinion I've ever seen. Uh, He had a hard time explaining it himself, but what it got down to was because the states and the federal government had a right to tax, no they don't, and um, that this made it constitutional, but that was never the question. The question was, could the federal government make a dictate and force the states to follow it, especially if it would cause them economic hardship? No, they don't have that right. They can, they can legislate trade between the states, but not within the states. So what they did, this is why the bribery money, the funding, remember the funding? came they bought access to the state once the state accepted the bribery money the funding now they're bound by what they openly call the their business plan and now the game changes and this is something else i've harped about for some years now we have all these different systems we have the system of common law which is what we should be going by that we're all subject to we have administrative law which is these kangaroo tribunals. We have contract law, which doesn't recognize anything except greed. We have all (laughs) of these things in play. And when we should have just one, and that is the common law, is this fair? Is it equitable? Is it constitutional? And we can't get that out out of this government. And I don't mean necessarily the one that's sitting now, but any of them. Oh, and I just got to well, if we had Trump back in, uh, the man's crazy. Get over it. He's running two bricks shy of a full load. He always was. If you could listen to that lunatic and think he was telling you anything, you should be kept out of the voting booth. But um, 
And of course, the one we got in there is suffering severe dementia. We got to stop electing these old men for one thing. And um, but it just, uh, I, I, I think that it's got to stop. We've got to shut down probate. We have got to shut down this family court circus because there is nothing familial about it. These are a danger and a threat to every family in this country, to every child walking. They have bartered our children away under Title IV-D. You're talking about them getting paid for foster care. They get paid for forced adoptions. Catch these social workers and CPS workers constantly creating fraudulent documents and charges, no proof. And they're constantly caught in this. And yet, nothing happens. And you talk about going to your senators and this person and that person and other person. I've talked to so many of those fools, and, and they're always going to know why they never knew, why they didn't know it was that. Well, nobody told them. Well, you know, just calm down. I'll, I'm going to get on this, and I'll get back to you. Don't sit by the phone, sweetie. And then they come out with these bogus fluff and buff bills that don't even mention the CPS workers, don't even mention these predatory guardians. Don't mention the corruption in these probate tribunals or family court. They don't even allude to it. And people are going, oh, see, they wrote a bill for us. No, they didn't write nothing for you. Fool, did you read the bill? Well, the title said, uh the title should have said, this is a load of crap and we're really going to screw you on this one. Would you still think it was a good (laughs) deal? That's basically what's going on. And. um but it's just, I, I don't know, girls, we got about eight minutes left here, and Reverend Ralph. So closing statements, everybody. Uh, Patsy, let's start with you. Um, I just want people to know that, because everybody always told me, you know, tone service is not your friend. They act like they are, and they mm-hmm. want you to sign everything. Don't do it. Don't yep. treat them like they're family, because they want you to do that, because then they got you. Yeah. And they can make up anything about you. And they do. And they the do. other thing is, yeah. people say, say uh, they told me I had to sign it or I'd go to jail. That's coercion. That's yeah. coercion. duress mm-hmm. and coercion. Charge they do it. such. Yes, they do it. And um, I won't sign anything if I'm not in agreement. I don't care. Do what you're going to do. I'm not signing it. Or they it. sign so your name my for you. Yes, they I've had that you. happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. They sign mine. Yeah. So, but you haven't got my signature on nothing. But right. I don't know, Elaine. Did you have anything you wanted to throw in here? Oh gosh, it's just it's it's really unfortunate. I I feel so bad for both the women. Um, I, I, I you know I've gone through my own share of stuff. I got through a lot of it, but you know, um, you know, it, it destroyed my you know broke my family up, divided my family, and. Like every time I hear someone tell their story, there's always a piece of my, you know, I suffered different pieces of the same thing that they went through. I don't know what to do. And we don't even have, and and we don't even have any kind of policing authority. This is common knowledge now. It's out in the open. You can't, Mm -hmm. the FBI, that's not even for the public. They're being just used by the political people for their private policing. So. I, I don't yeah. have an answer, yeah. I mean, I really, I don't have the answer. I just know that when you open your mouth and try to voice something out, 
you know, they try to come and gag you, and and often, and I don't know that they try to shut you up after they grab your assets. It's when they're still trying to get your assets. Once they have possession, yeah. they're not as uh, they're not as concerned about shutting you up. So that's right. one thing I have noticed. Um, okay. But, yeah. All right. All right. Go ahead. All right. We'll have Lynn go next, and then Reverend Ralph, you tie it up. Okay. I just um, I want the public, the general public, to know that you are in danger. This is a poison. This is a planned pandemic. That is a real pandemic. We are targeted parents, and there is a playbook that they have. And like the lady before me was saying that parts of all of our stories, she can identify it in her story because it's a set playbook and every judge and magistrate and lawyer are following that same playbook. So the only thing that we can do is expose them and shut them down and show up in droves at these courthouses when people have court hearings, bring hundreds and hundreds of people with you that way you've got court watchers. These demons yep. don't like to act, people watching them. They're, they're more apt to behave themselves. And, folks, whether you like it or not, that's what we're dealing with. Like Marty yes. said, there's different types of so-called humans walking around. Well, if you look in Bouvier's Law, which Ohio right. follows Bouvier's Law, look up the word human. It means yes. a bastardized monster that has no right to an inheritance. Right. So don't yep. call yourself a human being in the court because then those demons got you. And that's what we're fighting, yep. folks, and we have to fight together. There you go. Reverend Ralph? Yes. A minute ago, uh, someone was talking about a gag order to shut people up. And uh, in my case, uh, involving a very much-loved person, a year ago, uh, a judge up in Norristown put out a court order that said uh, I was not allowed to talk about this uh, loved person and how they were uh, basically railroaded and screwed over with a fake evaluation. And when I revealed that information, uh, I was charged with contempt by this person's own court-assigned lawyer, and right away I was put in prison. And the judge sentenced me to six months in prison or until I removed information proving the corruption of the court up in Norristown. And fortunately, uh, with Elaine's help, uh, my uh, a friend was able to pull that information down, and I was released from prison a week later. So they, the court and the lawyers and the judges will go to any extreme to cover up and protect themselves from being exposed uh, for being corrupt and taking kickbacks and so forth. So, again, they put me in prison knowing full well I could be murdered, in which case that would be the end of their problem. So they yeah. will stoop to any level to do what they can in order to protect themselves and their scams. Yep. There you go. I'm getting more messages here about how we just hate men. I don't hate men. I have a very nice man in my life, retired military, mm-hmm. treats me very well. He's never swung at me once um, for any reason. And I'm telling you, as a woman, I could piss him off. Um, 
but it, you know, it's a difference between a man and some immature fool. Uh, a man never. The difference between a narcissist and a yes. and a gentleman. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. right. there's gentlemen out there. Yes. there are, but that's there right. Are and also, Patsy and I both have men in our lives that treat us very well. Um, yes. Good we get for along you. fine. Mine isn't home from work yet. I do have his dinner ready out of respect that he worked hard today. Yep. It's not because I'm his servant, but when I'm out and I'm doing things and I come back, in fact, he makes me breakfast every single morning. Yes. And oh, it's nice. just, if he, yeah, yes. he made breakfast for Patsy while she was here. He cooked for wow. me. Um, I, I do the laundry because I'm very particular about it, but he loads mm-hmm. the dishwasher. We split the chores, yeah. and that's an important thing, men. Split yeah. the chores because when your woman yep. has uh, your your partner has had a hard day raising the kids, cooking, cleaning, that she's not more apt to be lovey dovey. And you've been sitting on your butt watching TV for three hours while she's still working, and then you yep. want to mm-hmm. get busy in the bedroom, and you wonder why she's tired. Share the chores. Yep. Help take care of the kids. Be an equal partner, love each other, well, and you're going to have a great life. And the other and thing about men, that by is the way. very important thing, <laughs> so do I. Um, the, <laughs> the other thing is, too, if you don't invest yourself, you have no investment in the relationship, and you have no exactly. investment, you don't value it. So exactly. there you go. Uh, and all the nasty emailers I've gotten this evening, bite me. I don't give a damn what you think. And uh, <laughs> Love we'll, it. We'll, we'll be back Wednesday night with Betrayed by Hospice. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. We're short good on night. time here, so I'm going to say good night. Girls, Miss Reverend Marty. Ralph, thank you so much. We'll talk to everybody Love later. Marty. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.